The Simon Shore Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, and fantasy advice? Check out Boxscore Network. Follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates. Oh, hi. Welcome back in to another episode of the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. Joining me this week is the other third of the Stat Sheet Podcast. Ronan Summers is back. Ronan, welcome back in, man. What's going on? I'm ecstatic to be here. I liked the subtle, hi, hello. That, hey, thanks, I, I, that was a nice little usher into the very <laughs> exciting you know stuff we have to talk about today. I'm psyched. It's kind of, uh, I love me a storyline, Simon. We, we you know when i when i read stories to my daughter i like to get in the moment i like to uh enunciate and fluctuate the tones and, and that's what we want to that's what we want to do today we want to tell a story ronan so that's that's what the intro is all about actually it's because the focus group said i was too scary at the beginning so i had to change it up you know how it goes but uh ronan has mentioned it we are here to outline our favorite storylines, our most interesting storylines through this point of training camp. It's August 9th as we record. We had the Hall of Fame game last week. The rest of the NFL teams will be playing their first preseason games over the course of this week slash weekend. Um, and tr- like training camp is is basically over. Teams are kind of getting their last couple days in before a walkthrough. And then camp, and then or and then the game, and then you're basically in regular practice mode. So we're seeing some teams have uh, joint practices. We're seeing some fights from that. We're seeing some like eleven on eleven big scrimmages. There's a lot of fun stuff happening in training camp right now. But Rona, I want to turn your attention to a bit of news that I didn't prep you for, that I know you're going to enjoy. Um, I heard a story today about our favorite owner, Jim Ursay. Uh-oh. And I will just preface this by saying the story was so hilarious and ridiculous that I started laughing so hard in the car that my daughter that I talked about before, who was one years old, was also laughing maniacally behind me in, in her car seat. And we were just cackling over this Jim Ursay news. So Jim Ursay and the Indianapolis Colts have sent away Jonathan Taylor. He is just home or somewhere else rehabbing his ankle or non-back injury injury whatever whatever's going on i.e everyone's so mad at each other and they're going to start fielding some trade calls so they send him away all because they don't want to pay him 16 million dollars for a year or two they want to pay him 11 million dollars for a year or whatever it is he's not even on the franchise tag so he's probably getting like five or six anyways you want to know what jim ursay did this week instead of giving jonathan taylor 16 million dollars hit me he gave, um, what? Who? What's the amusement park with all the, all the, all the sea animals? Who does that? The whales. Sea and World. Stuff like that. Thank you, goodness gracious! I was like Ocean World. Sea World. He gave Sea World twenty million dollars to move an orca back into the ocean. Not affiliated with the Colts. Not affiliated with the NFL. Not affiliated with. To to my knowledge, any of his other businesses. Now I don't know if he owns part of Sea World or anything like that. And it is a nice story. It's a nice humanitarian kind of thing. But this man won't pay his star running back $16 million, but he'll give a complete third party 20 mil to move a whale into the ocean. I I had a ball with that. I figured you might enjoy that too. That is that's great. I did not know that. Um yeah, that's Jim Ursay though, right? <laughs> I mean that that it that kind of just goes right along with everything else that this entire Jonathan Taylor situation has been um, he's, he's been out there and I don't know if this was necessarily um, I, I, I think this might've been correlated. He, I think that yeah. might've been a, a nice little slight towards yeah. uh, maybe not necessarily Taylor himself, but maybe his agent, maybe the agent, you think the agent tweeted what he tweeted and then Ursay like got on the phone with one of his, like his, his assistant or someone was like, Find a, a company that needs twenty million dollars and just tell me who would write the check to. Do you think he even knows find that it's like whale. actually for find me literally find me a whale? Um, 
yeah, I, I thought that was great. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. Uh, Ronan had a fabulous rant a couple weeks ago on the Satchi podcast about Jim Ursay. We have done lots of Ursay and, and Jonathan Taylor coverage over on that pod over the last several weeks. So if you don't listen to that pod, please go check it out and you could check out those episodes. We will have some Colts conversation later, but not just yet. Uh, Ronan, you are going to kick us off. It's time to jump into our favorite training camp storylines. Please tell us the first one that is really getting you excited. So now, obviously, earlier in the offseason, uh, a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers was traded away to the New York Jets. And if we think back a couple of years prior to that trade, uh, the Green Bay Packers drafted a quarterback by the name of Jordan Love that kind of made Rodgers a little bit upset. You know, he didn't give uh, he wasn't given a heads up. And um, uh, the next, you know, hopefully, to the Packers at least, future Packers All-Pro Hall of Fame quarterback was drafted, right, to sit for however long, Um, similar to what they did with Rodgers for Favre. Now, here we are, and Rodgers is a Jet, and it's Love's time to uh, take the reins in Green Bay. And... This, this isn't necessarily just the Jordan Love story. I think, you know, Matt LaFleur uh, has a big part to play in this as well, right? Because mm-hmm. he, he has, you know, had some controversy around his tenure uh, in Green Bay. Um, they haven't necessarily been able to get it done in the big spots, especially the playoffs, big games in the regular season. It just hasn't necessarily been their forte. So now... LaFleur has his quarterback that he groomed. He's the one that built him up. It's going to be trial by fire this year. And it's in a semi-wide open NFC North. It's kind of anybody's mm-hmm. ball game. I think the mm-hmm. playing field is pretty level among all three, four teams. You can even maybe throw the Bears into that conversation. Um, I'm excited to see how Jordan Love faces all of this adversity. We haven't really gotten to see what he does on the NFL field on a full sample size. You can't, you know, pick and choose here and there the little spots he was put in uh, to be able to evaluate him to the full capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Now, throw that all out the window because barring an injury, it's time to evaluate. And we're going to see what Jordan Love is made of. Uh, going into it, I like Jordan Love in the, going into that draft. I, I, I was kind of excited about him as a prospect. So... I'm looking at this as a very big opportunity for Love to break onto the scene and surprise a lot of people because he's gotten a lot of hate. There's been a lot of Twitter fingers. Uh, we were just talking about Jim Irsay. Mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm, of Twitter mm-hmm. fingers. Uh, I'm excited, Simon. I'd love to get your thoughts on what you think Jordan Love will be, your thoughts on just what this Packers offense might look like, and yeah. uh, what we can expect, hopefully moving forward. Well, first off, like you, I am I am excited, right? That this isn't the these aren't the teams that we root for, right? We're not we're not hoping and praying that this guy works out. We're, we are uh, third party observers who who love the NFL and love watching this stuff and, and trying to figure out what's going on. So I'm extremely excited just to see it, and not just for Jordan Love. I'm excited for this offense in general because there's so many first and second year players at quarterback at receiver at tight end that you know it's just gonna it's gonna feel so fresh compared to what we've seen in green bay for so many years and and like you said i do think this is like still sneaky pretty wide open now i don't know if the bears really have a shot at it or anything like that but i think the vikings while i think they might be a better team than they were last year i don't think they're gonna win 13 games again um I know the Lions, we'll talk about the Lions more later. I won't dive too far into it, but I don't know if they're necessarily shoo-in to get 11, 12 wins and win the division. And the Packers should have every reason to think that they still can compete. I don't know if, you know, that the production is necessarily going to translate to the hype. We'll we'll determine that later and we'll figure that out later. But I'm still very, very excited for this. That that 11 on 11 video that we got uh, from Packers training camp, the family night, um, 
the Twitter account that at least I saw it on, I'm sure it's everywhere by now, but is at Jumosk, J-U-M-O-S-Q. Um, big, it looks like a big Packers fan, maybe not even Packers fan page. Maybe it is. Anyways, um, and, and Love is just ripping throws, man. He is just dropping back and like sending the ball like 40, 50 yards deep uh, over the middle, down the sideline, back shoulder throws. A lot of them coming up incomplete, but it's making me it's making me excited because he's not. And this speaks to a bit what you're talking about as a prospect. He's not there to be a check down, Charlie, right? He's not going to play nervous. He is a playmaker. He's going to go down swinging and he's got the arm and the size and the juice to do it, right? This isn't good to throw some shade here. This isn't Brock Purdy back there running around looking to just throw the ball up whenever he gets the chance. This isn't um Who's somebody? It, this isn't Jared Goff. Again, we'll talk about him later. Who, who's just looking to throw the ball, you know, five to ten yards and, and kind of move the sticks? He's back there and he's trying to make a play. And he's got playmakers to do it with. He's got Christian Watson. He's got Romeo Dubs. He's got Jaden Reed, who's getting a lot of hype in training camp right now. Um, I think the Packers and Jordan Love could be a lot of fun. Now, will it translate to him being? you know, the quarterback for the next five, 10 years being the next hall of fame, green Bay Packers quarterback. I, I don't, I don't know. I think the contract they gave them, the extension they gave them essentially a, a one year deal, you know, kind of shows that they're not so sure either. I, I forget if, who exactly it was. I think it was Brian Gutekunst. The, the general manager was the one that was like, Oh, by midway through the season, like we'll have it. We'll know everything we need to know about Jordan Love. And it's like, that makes me a little nervous. That sounds like they kind of are ready to, pull the string whenever they want but at this point i'm i am very very excited about it i think you brought up a great point um all of the young guys on that offense on the packers offense and you know obviously rogers last year he wasn't really feeling the uh being the teacher right you could kind of get the vibe that he, he he didn't want to play with all the young guys. He wanted to have vets around him to where he didn't have to explain everything. He wanted guys to be in the right spots. And that's just not what that Packers offense was last year. And I, that was definitely a learning moment for all those guys. And now they're going into, for the most of them, year two. Um, and then obviously for Reed, who you mentioned, year one. I don't, like you said, I don't think it's, going to be a perfect season. Um, but I do think that this Packers offense can contend. And I just want to – LaFleur, I, I want to get your thoughts on LaFleur. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I've, he's had Rodgers, and now he doesn't. And he's got all these young guys. Do you think that he's the type of coach that a, that's able to kind of go through the adversity and be able to work with what he's got? Or – you know, are we going to see him kind of get exposed now that Rodgers is gone? I I think LaFleur is a very, very good coach. I think he is probably also pretty rejuvenated to have Rodgers out, out the door. I think we saw this with Pete Carroll last year. And I don't want to just make the comparison to, to coaches who are, you know, moving on from – older Hall of Fame quarterbacks, although it's, you know, very small sample of, of times that that's happened. But just in general, when it feels like things are kind of turning over from a whole roster standpoint, we see, we've seen a lot of veterans now leave Green Bay over the last year and even two years till now this almost this whole team, but especially on offense, is very young. And, and this feels like LaFleur can kind of get everybody in the room and say, this is what we're going to do. I'm here to teach you and tell you guys how we're going to do this. And everyone still feels young enough and impressionable enough that they're going to take it. And when you have that and you have that, these guys who are trying to like make their career and get to their second contract. So they're going to try to do everything they can to succeed and work hard. That's invigorating as a coach. And we said this would happen to Pete Carroll going into last season with the Seahawks, everybody basically completely changing over. He would just be pumped up. He would just love to get down into the dirt and coach a bunch of underrated cast off type players. And look what happened, right? That, that team was hyped up all season. And I think it's going to happen in green Bay. I don't, again, I don't know if that means they're going to win 10, 11, 12 games, but I think they're going to be good. And I think we're going to be able to look at LaFleur and say, Oh, okay. He can win in different situations. Um, so I, I am I am really, really excited about that. 
the other thing that I just have to throw in because, uh, you know, it's it's the brand, right? I also love where it looks like this offensive line is from a health standpoint. Now, their interior was pretty solid last year in terms of consistently who those three guys were. It was Josh Myers, Elton Jenkins, and John Runyon. The tackles, they played basically all four of their tackles, basically 50% of the season last year. It was Zach Tom, uh, Royce Newman, David Bakhtiari, Yash Nyman. I'm excited right now and a little sad, but also excited that they seem to all be healthy because now they're moving guys around and trying different things. Zach Tom, who was playing right tackle for them last year, is getting a lot of center work right now. Josh Myers, he had some trouble snapping to Aaron Rodgers over the years. It sounds like there's been some snapping issues so far this training camp as well. So I'm a little sad if he gets benched, but he he does have the size to play some guard. Um, Elton Jenkins has moved all around this line. Billy Turner, who's now on the Jets, we saw him move all around this line when he was here with Aaron Rodgers. I'm fair. I'm interested to see what all this this group kind of looks like and does this season. I, I I know you as a recent offensive line convert, you know you you might have some takes here. But anything else for you on the Packers line? Love Lafleur, anywhere you want to go. You know, I nothing other than I love flexibility, but I like continuity on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like keeping things. You know, pretty simple. Uh, I don't know if I love the moving around a ton. You know, obviously it's preseason, right? So finding who fits where the best uh, to complete, you know, the best line, your best five. I, I get it, but hopefully that's not what we're seeing, you know, week five, week six in the season. You know, hopefully they're not still trying to figure it out because then that's whenever yeah. it becomes a problem. But it, it wouldn't be, you know, a podcast with you, I guess now me too, Without some offensive line talk, I'm sure we'll end up talking about some more later. There's there's more to come. Don't you worry. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take us to our next storyline here. This is my absolutely most favorite thing that I'm following all training camp and that I'll be paying attention to all season. You and I were on an episode of the Statue podcast last year, then known as the Phantom Football Podcast, where I hyped up the Indianapolis Colts. I was very wrong. That did not that did not work out for me. I am here to tell you that I'm here to hype up the Indianapolis Colts is rookie quarterback. I don't know what the team is going to do. The team might win 6 games. I don't I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I'm here to tell you that I'm all in on Anthony Richardson. I am soaking up every bit of Anthony Richardson propaganda that is out there on social media right now. Every training camp report of him going six of seven for for 70 yards and a touchdown and, and seven on seven, every, every video of a thrown curl route for 13 yards, and then every time we see him next to Gardner Minshew just flick the ball 50 yards like it's nothing. I, everything in between, I am, I am here for. Um, as of right now, the training camp reports are outstanding. There were some ups and downs in the first week. Here in the, excuse me, here in the second week, everyone, Richardson, teammates, guys he's gone against, it's exploding. He is he has picked it up. That the, the timing was the consistent thing through the first week of everything. The getting, you know, from the snap to the drop back to the reading, the routes, to to delivering the ball. All of that he was working on. He admitted he was like, "Hey, I got to get this down." You know, when the timing gets messed up, I just have to rely on you know my basics, my fundamentals, and it'll get better. And then it did. He's been crushing camp this week. Um, he's been running ones, alternating every day with Gardner Minshew, which is really interesting considering, you know, back in February, March, when we started doing the draft stuff, not fully, not not in April, right? Not in the direct lead up to it, but we're like, man, this is a guy, you know. You draft him, you let him sit for a year, maybe even two years when he figures stuff out. And then by the draft time, I was like, I don't know, guys. He might start week eight. You might, he might be ready. You start looking at stuff, you read and stuff. You're like, you know, he seems to process the field pretty well. He seems to read the routes pretty well, make adjustments at the line. Yes, footwork isn't great all the time, but look at the arm. He goes to the combine. Oh my God, this is a defensive tackle, not even a defensive, this is a defensive tackle playing quarterback. Man, look at those throws. Look at him next to Bryce Young and, and those warm-ups. 
I might like this guy. I might, and now I'm all the way in. Start him week one. Uh, if he starts at least, I'd say like 15 games, maybe even 14. This is my pick for the offensive rookie of the year. Um, every bit of information I can get on Anthony Richardson so far this training camp, I'm I'm here for and eating up. Ronan, what what do you think about all of this? What do you think about the Anthony Richardson hype train? And are you all, right are you aboard? You. Are you aboard? Right? I'm all aboard. All aboard. Um, the dudes, honestly, I, I think of he's kind of what everybody was hoping Malik Willis as a prospect was last year. And I think I might have said that before uh, on our podcast. But just the hype that's around him or that was around Willis, because honestly, it's not really all that around Richardson right now. Um, now, obviously, he's a quarterback taken in the first round, so he's going to get talked about. But it's not like there's this monumental, mm-hmm. you know, hype around him. I mean, he was the third guy taken, or third quarterback mm-hmm. taken. So I, I'm right there with you. Um, his athleticism mixed with his size, and then you mentioned that his arm strength, that video of him next to Minshew whenever they're both slinging it. Mm-hmm. And it's that ball from Richardson is on a rope, and Minshew's is a nice little lollipop. Um, yeah, I'm eating it up, too. I think in a run-centric offense, I'm really hoping that they figure it out with Jonathan Taylor because I just imagine a shotgun look, right? Maybe mm-hmm. six guys down on the line. Maybe you have a big old tight end. I don't I don't know who their best blocking tight end is, but hell, throw a tackle out there, you know, mm-hmm. for that sixth guy. Run a read option, back-to-back play. Maybe every single play of just the game. Just every play, yeah. <laughs> just make defensive ends and tackles. Just make the defense just crap themselves, really. Mm-hmm. Um, because what are you going to do? I don't – I can't imagine an offense uh, with those two messing with defensive coordinators' heads. And, and then you mix in the fact that the dude can throw it like 70 yards with like the flick of a wrist. Um, the receivers in Indianapolis don't necessarily get me going all that much, but with Pittman, uh, he's kind of solidified himself at least as a reliable target. And then you've got Pierce, who's kind of sneaky. Um, he kind of crept up last year, even mm-hmm. with the quarterback situation that okay. they had. So mm-hmm. I think – they might be in good hands as far as skill position goes. That offensive line was atrocious. Matt Ryan got hounded last year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that looks much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least they don't have an immobile guy like Matt Ryan back there because Anthony right. Richardson, I feel like that's we, – we've barely even talked about it other than, you know, he's athletic. The dude can flat out run. Mm-hmm. Like, if you throw him out at receiver, if you give him three years to train and adjust his hands and route running, dude's a receiver. Dude's – all right. pro Calvin Johnson, maybe not that much. I might be stretching a little, <laughs> little bit far. You get it, Simon. You get yep. it. Yep. The dude yep. is a freak of yep. an athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited. Point is, I'm excited too. And and not just you know considering the pressure and, and those guys were were banged up last year. You know, Quentin Nelson actually played. Quentin Nelson played every snap, but you knew he wasn't healthy. All, all of those guys, I mean, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, they all played most of the snaps, but you knew they weren't healthy. They went through the right guard debacle of, of starting Danny Pinter and, and moving on to Will Fries. They went with the they went with Matt Pryor at left tackle. That was a disaster. They had to go to Bernard Raymond, and that was a guy that was not ready. He's I haven't I haven't looked at the report specifically for Ryman lately, but everyone felt good about him going into camp. Um, I still don't love the Will Fries thing, but the thing, there we go. Team two already offensive line. Anthony Richardson isn't just, doesn't just have the capability to scramble when he's under pressure. There's also tons of tape out there of him just avoiding pressure in the pocket and moving within the pocket. He wants to be in the pocket. And that's the difference between him and Malik Willis. Richardson can maneuver and stay in the pocket and continue to read the defense while avoiding pressure. Whereas Willis was always just like, "Hey, check the first read and then and then bail out, right?" Um, and and being able to do what Richardson did at the SEC level again, I know his mechanics led to some bad accuracy at, at different times during the season, but all of the building blocks are there, right? The the baseline foundation of what you need a quarterback to do is there, and then the ceiling of the crazy throws and size and athleticism. 
again, 6'5", like 250, 255 right now, something crazy like that. Um, and then, yeah, we we have to work on the accuracy. But in a world where Jonathan Taylor was healthy and on this team, you're putting a dynamic running uh, running duo in the backfield with those two. And what I loved about the Richardson fit in Indianapolis is the size of those receivers, right? You don't have to have the, the best accuracy if you're throwing to 6'4", Michael Pittman, 6'3", with a 41-inch vert, Alec Pierce. Your your boy from uh, Virginia, who's the tight end, the 6'7", tight end there? Uh, oh, okay. uh, Woods. Go. Woods? Yes, Jelani Woods, um, 6'5", Mo Alley-Cox, who was a, a NCAA VCU center for four years, like – you got big jump ball dudes with this guy, right? And then you've got, you know, Josh Downs and they're just kind of mixing it up, doing some stuff. Um, but you've got big jump ball dudes for your big, you know, can throw it out of the arena quarterback. Yeah, maybe his accuracy on slants won't be the best, but I think those guys will make up, make up for it, especially at the beginning. Um, yeah, I'm all the way in, man. I'm all the way in. I can't wait to get a, a, a slack from Ben or Robertson, our, our buddies on Odds on Favorite who have been – part of this are on this podcast part of box score network where they're just oh man i can't wait i can't wait um anything else here on on the colts on anthony richardson before we move on you know i i think we said really all that needs to be said because if we hype him up too much you know are we just going to be setting him up for failure listen if we find out we have that sort of power we 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 have a lot of work we need to do. Um, That's true. But good point. We will move along. Good uh, Listeners, we will have more Anthony Richardson talk in a couple weeks. We will be talking some young quarterbacks over a two-part series later in the month. So be on the lookout for that. Ronan, before we dive into your next storyline, you know, we mentioned box score network and, and odds on favorite. Maybe we should hear from a couple of those podcasts. What do you think? I think we should. Let's do it. Everyone listen up for a couple more podcasts you should be listening to, part of Box Score Network. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robertson Vire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Box Score Network. Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter at Odds on Favorite and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Connor. I'm Billy. And I'm Austin. And we're the host of the Tricky Takes podcast presented by the Box Score Network. We talk about all things sports ranging from golf, baseball, football, NBA, and all college sports. Come give us a listen and make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Tricky Takes, and that's Tricky with two eyes. All right, and we're back. Uh, Ronan, go ahead and take us to our next storyline that you have been interested in so far this training game. So I took a little bit of an out here, Simon. Um, I kind of umbrellaed one storyline with four. Uh, so the storyline that I'm going with for the sake of the podcast is – the fact that pretty much, well, not pretty much, every team in the NFC South both are making a claim for the title, division title, but they also can make a claim for the division title because it's all up in the air. Uh, we were just talking about an NFC North, right, that you know seems competitive, but we have an idea of the teams that will probably be competing mm-hmm. for it and who won't be. For this NFC South, you can pick and choose at any one of these teams, and in my opinion – you can make a case that they'll be the division winner. Um, well, we can go ahead and go down the line real quick. The Panthers, right? They got on, before you start with the pressure. Panthers, let's start oh, with the no. Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I want to hear. I want to hear your case. <laughs> I want to hear your case first. Okay. Because if you're okay. if you're gonna make okay. the case that any of them can do it, I mean, I was I saw a tweet today that Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask are each gonna get a start in preseason because they're deciding this. Now, let, let me make the short case first, and I'll let you build off of it. The Bucks and Bucks fans can tell themselves we have Godwin Evans, we have a remade above average offensive line, and we still have this defense. But I need to be honest, 
because because I can say that, but I need to be honest. Last week on this podcast, I said I was breezy about the Bucks this year solely for the purposes of I don't care enough about them because they're not going to be good for me to be worried about. So I have to I have to be I have to I have to stand on what I said. Do you really think the Bucks can win this division? Do I think they can? Yes. Do I think they will? No. Okay. So hear me out here. Okay. Because right. this Bucks team can win the division, but I think it would take a nine win season with pretty much everybody else going sub 500, which is entirely possible for this yep. NFC South. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is kind of the point that I'm trying to get at here is any one of these teams can win it. But on the flip side of the coin, any of them can win five or six games and nobody would really bat an eye. Um, so, yeah, we can go ahead and start with the Bucks For all those reasons, like you said, right, they were just in the Super Bowl. Albeit they lost a few players, most notably Tom Brady. Uh, mm-hmm, but they've mm-hmm. still got guys on that defense, and they've got the receiving core, and they've got Jensen and White. They've got okay offensive line. There's question marks here and there. So that's the Buccaneers. Right, and that's that's the one that I'll I'll, I'll give you. Um, if any of them are not going to win, I would say it's probably the Bucks. And you can go ahead and replay that, you know, over and over again whenever Baker Mayfield leads them to a thirteen win season, right? <laughs> but now let's go to the Panthers, right? Okay, yeah, Panthers here we go. I'm, have I'm with you now. <laughs> a breath of fresh air with Bryce Young and Frank Wright coming to town. And their defense, we looked at them last year. They weren't all that bad. They've got some interesting pieces that they've really only added on to. They're an interesting team. Young, feisty. Frank Reich is coming back with a vengeance. He never had that young quarterback that he could legitimately Mm -hmm. develop. He just got a bunch of old heads coming in there trying to revitalize their career. Didn't work out there. Might work out here with Bryce Young. Um, Obviously, I'm a little bit bigger on Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. Um, on the podcast than you guys, maybe not all that much, but he was my favorite quarterback of this draft class solely because he's got the accuracy. He's been in the big moments. Uh, he, we've seen what Alabama quarterbacks have done as of late. I don't think that stigma is accurate anymore. I don't think you can mm-hmm. use that. They're successful now. Now let's move on to the Saints, right? The Saints just upgraded at quarterback with Derek Carr. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've already had a stout defense, and they've added more reliable weapons into that offense to pair with Kamara, Olave, and Thomas if he ever gets healthy. I know we had that little dispute a couple weeks ago about (laughs) Michael Thomas. Um, You know, if he can hit the field, it'll be fun to see, but that's the question. Will he play more than five games this year? Will he play at all? Uh, To be determined, but they went out, they added a few pieces here and there, Jamal Williams, Keandre Miller. I'm excited to see what the Saints team can do. They already had that good defense, like I said. Adding Derek Carr, who's got that chip on his shoulder. He just got cut by the team that drafted him. Stepping into New Orleans, NFC South wide open. They're just as viable as a contender as anybody else. All right, and then we've got the Falcons, who, in my eyes, got the best offseason upgrades out of any team in the NFC South this past offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at what they did on their defense, right? It got significantly better, adding Jesse Bates in there. Jeff Akuda, who doesn't have to be that CB1, pairing him across from AJ Terrell. Uh, we'll see how Akuda does. That offense, right? A little bit questionable. The quarterback play, Desmond Ritter, I don't know how that's going to turn out, but that run game, they ran more than anybody else last year, and they brought in B. John Robinson, one mm-hmm. of the best running back prospects we've seen in the past 10 years to be that bell cow, and they've already got good running backs back there with Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, if they keep them. I'm excited to see how this NFC South turns out because I think it could be like, uh, you, you know the uh, the scene in The Office whenever it's like Jim and Dwight and uh, God, the main character, Steve Carell. Yeah. Yeah, Michael, yeah, yeah. Jim, yeah, Dwight, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. and they're all standing around, and they've got the guns, and then Pam uh-huh. comes, comes in there, and then she, uh-huh. and then they all, and then they all shoot each other. <laughs> that could legitimately be what this NFC South is. They all just kill each other, and then the last man standing, or you know, bleeding out, is the one that steps in there. Or one of these teams can catch fire and win mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12 games. Mm-hmm. Simon, I've talked for long enough. What do you think of this NFC South? You can take this any which way. You can just pick one team. You can pick all four. What do you think? 
I, I said my piece on the Bucks. Um, I, I, I see, I do see a world where it works out, but I think that's like five out of a hundred timelines, right? I, I think this offense is just, it's gonna, it's not gonna be good enough. It's just not gonna work out. Um, but the the world where their defense is, let's say third in the league because of the stoutness from the front and then you get some luck in the interceptions and turnover department and baker just never throws the ball far enough to turn it over and he stays upright long enough to get 21 points there's a world where you know they get eight wins again or something like that but it's essentially last year's team going from tom brady to baker mayfield and i don't uh or kyle trask because apparently baker came and outright beat trask for the job yet so that's that's my piece on the books Everything else I'm really excited about. I talked a ton about the Panthers across the whole offseason, about how I loved all those moves. I was reading a training camp report from this week. They did a um, joint practice with the Packers this week that apparently went really well for the Panthers on both sides of the ball. Um, the defense was just wrecking. Uh, the, I said Packers earlier, meant Jets. They were playing Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to do that all season. So they're playing the Jets who are having their issues at tackle, sorting that out. But the defense was just winning over and over and over again on the edge. They just add uh, Justin Houston. So that's going to help them on the other side from Brian Burns. Um, offensively, things are going well. Hayden Hurst is taking on like this big leadership role, just like being this like tough guy and uh, a receiving option. Yeah, Adam Thielen is kind of doing like NFL network things during his practice. I I, I saw a clip of him, I think next to Ian Rappaport, and he like has a Panthers jersey on, but there's no pads under it. And he looks like what happens when they like get an analyst a jersey like for fun because they're like making a pick or something like that. He doesn't it, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look great for Adam Thielen. Um but Jonathan Mingo, the rookie wide receiver, he he is now running with the ones. I think he got placed as like wide one of the starting wide receivers on the depth chart. He had a big practice against the Jets in the scrimmage, like a bunch of catches, a deep touchdown. So the vibes in Carolina are really, really good. How well Bryce Young holds up and how much he can actually actually accomplish in, in year one is going to be the defining factor for their season because everything else for Carolina looks to be great. Um, the Saints, I think they're going to once again be a top 10 defense, and I don't think even with some of the coaching changes and with some of the personnel that have left, I don't think they're going to be any worse for wear. I think Dennis Allen is going to keep that a top flight defense. And yeah, man, going from Andy Dalton to Derek Carr is a huge deal. And they have tons of running back options. They have Chris Olave. I think I think this offense really does have potential because I do think, again, in a world where Michael Thomas actually plays, but even without that, there's a world where Derek Carr and Chris Olave are like an electric connection. That That's totally, totally possible. And I know there are Derek Carr haters, and I know I might lean a little bit on the too far of a Derek Hart truther side sometimes but there there's been enough tape out there and enough history out there of production for Derek Carr that you could you have to say it is wholly possible that he and Olave just are electric together and by the way they signed Jimmy Graham just, just kidding guys um now now Atlanta I love Atlanta I love Atlanta and they are running through training cap training camp with so much swagger for a team that won seven games and has a second year third round pick at quarterback this year and i love desmond ritter i've said it on this podcast a million times don't need to get into it but i'm in on desmond ritter um but josh kendall who covers the falcons for the athletic talked about he's covered this team for years he's never seen them just like roll through practice and roll through the facility with their chest puffed out and their shoulders just like back and looking all strapped and and pumped up ever before. He's never seen it the way these guys are walking around the place. Arthur Smith has his goofy training camp mustache. Like everyone's just like fully on this. We are going to be the best team in this division. And the fact that they're just leaning all the way into what they are already really good at with fifth round running back Tyler Algier and career journeyman Cordero Patterson, and they're adding Bijan Robinson to it. Yeah, man, I think this offense can be really good. I think there is totally a world where this is a top 10 offense and that defense even gets to just like 
top 20 range. It doesn't have to even be average. It can be below average. It can be 18th and they can still be. And and with that, with that offense, they can be a legitimate playoff team. So uh, I love this division. It's going to be wacky. It's going to be fun, but there's a lot of fun new stuff to look at here, which is the whole point of this podcast. It's what's exciting about training camp, you know, looking at the new stuff, looking at the teams that are going to be different. Um, so, so I love this pick, even if you, even if you cheated a little bit and got, got a handful of teams in, I love it. So I, I guess you're saying it's safe to say that we're not betting on the Buccaneers. We're not, um, we're not going to do it. What are the odds? Though? Okay. How good, how, how good are the odds? How good are the odds? Um, I mean, how bad are they? I mean, I guess you're losing the money no matter what, no matter how, what the odds say. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're just not getting it. You're just not getting it. You're right. You don't even have call. to look at the return. Just look at As whatever the... you're putting in. That's the loss. That you don't have to look at the return. <laughs> uh, whatever you want to donate. Talk. Um, all right, let's hit the next one here. And it pains me in my my Steelers loving heart to bring this one up, but this is a very very interesting thing to monitor as training camp and the preseason go along. And it's the Baltimore Ravens, and specifically. Well, I have some defensive notes on here too, but so the Ravens just in general, right? What are the Ravens up to? Because training camp has been super interesting for the Baltimore Ravens. Let's let's look at there. Uh, I'll hit the couple negatives first. Let's do that. This team is still working through this offense, right? As recently as I think just over the weekend or just before last weekend, so uh, not even a week ago, we're getting the reports of. Lamar Jackson punting footballs because things aren't going well. Mark Andrews flipping off referees, which is funny because they titled this article about this. Like they were punting the football at each other and flipping each other off, which was hilarious and completely isolated incidents. Um, But so, but the point is that there's still some frustration with frustration with learning this offense. Todd Monk and the, the offensive coordinator even said, like we're still figuring this out. Like this is still going to take us some time. It's a slow go to completely rebuild this offense for this team that's been doing one thing for years. Um, so that's like that. So that's interesting. That's tough. There's still no J.K. Dobbins. Like he's still just like not at practice, which is which is tough. Um, those are all the negatives I could say because everything everything else for, for the Ravens seems to be going really freaking well. Kyle Hamilton is apparently just like the Tasmanian devil in the defensive backfield. Uh, he's a full-time safety now. He is just running around everywhere, making plays, getting his hands on footballs, covering Mark Andrews and one-on-one drills and, and winning some of those reps. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. has been healthy and he is thriving. He made a like ridiculous falling to the ground catch on tight coverage to Marlon Humphrey the other day. Um, he's been in 11 of the 12 practices. He's only taken one day off. I think he left early one day because he hit the, his maximum number of reps, but he's healthy. Um, that doesn't mean he's going to be as explosive as he was in his heyday, but guess what? He hasn't really been that in four years anyways. So just the fact that he's available and and Rashad Bateman just came off of pup today, as we record this, the, the 9th of August. Um, so, so things are, are just going in Baltimore's favor. I know they're still figuring out the offense. And by the way, they might still be figuring it out in week six. But Lamar is enough of a wild card and that that defense is going to have enough discipline and talent to it that even if they have to go like three and three in their first six games as they figure out this offense, once they figure it out, this team really could explode. And, and depending on how many games Joe Burrow misses with, with his calf strain, like this team could really compete to win this division from the Bengals. I have a couple other notes here, but I, I want you to jump in. What what kind of stuff is, you know, shining, you know, out to you about the Baltimore Ravens and training game? I think you're 100% right. And, you know, obviously the stuff that Lamar went through before the preseason, right, with his contract dispute uh, in the offseason, that was a whole mess. And, I'm sure he's ecstatic to put that past him. I'm sure he's even more ecstatic to look mm-hmm. into his bank account every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 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 excited to see what a happy Lamar looks like. Right, he's gonna go out there. Hopefully, we see him. You know, give 110 percent. Right. Sometimes we see those superstars get paid. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. the intensity gets taken down a little bit. I don't think that's gonna happen with Lamar. I think we're unfortunately. I know 
you're probably not too too happy to hear that as a Steelers fan, but yeah, I'm, I think we're going to see Lamar ball out this year. And, you know, like you said, all the indications from camp, other than, you know, him spiking footballs and Andrews flipping off ref, referees, um, it's sounding pretty good. I, I'm very excited about OBJ. Um, I, we've talked about it before. I don't think he's going to be this, you know, reliable wide receiver one all throughout the season yeah. where – you know, he's getting 1,200, 1,400 yards. And he might eclipse that 1,000-yard mark, but that might be pushing it. I'm expecting more like a seven, 800-yard season. Uh, but I think come week 12 and beyond, we're going to get an Odell Beckham Jr. that was very similar to the one in the stint we saw with the Rams. Uh, maybe not as much playoff success, right? That's to be determined. But in terms of effectiveness and what he brings to just the offense in general, right? He almost doubled as just, hey, I'm here as a dis- distraction, but mm-hmm. you know, if I burn him, I burn him. Mm-hmm. I think that's a similar role to what we see OBJ play this year, Simon. Yeah, I think I think it'll be fun to monitor once the season starts. The Odell, Rashad Bateman, and Zay Flowers kind of pecking order. And you're always going to have Mark Andrews be the number one. So you don't even have to worry about that too much. But we know rookie wide receivers, at least from a production standpoint, usually take till like mid-season, second half of the season to like really, really get going. So it'll be interesting that like if Odell can give you like five weeks of being the number two guy, right? And and Rashad Bateman, you know, kind of floats in and out, has his big games but it's never really happened to this point, mostly because of injury. But between Odell and Rashad Bateman, you can get that really high-end wide receiver two, wide receiver three production with Andrews being your top target. And then as their injuries maybe start to hit or inconsistency starts to show, that's when Zay Flowers starts to hit his hit his kind of booster right into the season. That would be that would be really interesting and I think set up pretty well for for Baltimore. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Ronan Summers and I want to tell you about the Statsheet Podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear me and my co-hosts break down the biggest games and analyze what's happening around the NFL. Follow the Statsheet Podcast on Twitter at the Statsheet Pod and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello everybody, Brandon Tim here telling you all to listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a podcast giving you the insights to help you win your fantasy football leagues. Together, we will look at everything fantasy football, from the platforms we use to navigating weekly player projections. Listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a Box Score Network podcast. We'll see you at the next episode. All right, and we are back. Ronan, take us to your final uh, training camp storyline. Yeah, and this shouldn't be a surprise to you or really anyone else because they're everybody's sweethearts. Um, they went from the laughing stocks of the league a few years ago, really, you could even say as close as last year, around like week five, you could even uh, incorporate them into that conversation, uh, to kicking off the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm talking about the Detroit Lions and the expectations that surround them. Um, there's no question that they're in the mix now, at least in the public eye of the NFC North championship, right? Or the division title. And I don't think it's that far off. I, I think it's pretty reasonable. You look at that offense, right? They were top, I believe, five to 10 for a reason. Jared Goff, Simon, you you were talking some some – ish on his name mm-hmm, earlier mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on those five to ten yard routes and i just i want to let you know that on a podcast recently i believe on barstool he told him he said my favorite route is whenever i let it rip so just know that you know maybe he's hitting those five to ten yard routes but maybe that's because mcveigh's always in his ears saying just check it down jared check it down maybe he just wants to let it rip and you know what with Jamison Williams this year whenever he gets that suspension lifted <laughs> he just might he just might you pair Jamison Williams up whenever he comes back with Amonra St. Brown who's already solidified himself as a mm-hmm. wide receiver one i don't think it's too far to say that i think that's a fair thing to say um this offense is very exciting that running game was electric last year 
this year it should be the same, even though nobody from last year's running back room is in there this year, or at least, you know, notable top two, um, because Jameer Gibbs stepping in there, kind of being that Alvin Kamara type of back. Shout out to Dan Campbell, who shout, or who coached in New Orleans. He's already had that type of back before. I'm sure he was, that was right up his alley. And then you get David Montgomery from the NFC North rival, the Bears. I'm really digging this offense. Uh, I think this is going to be a problem for defenses. I think they're going to come out there week one. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think it's going to be a game, Simon. I don't think they're going to roll over. I don't think they're going to get blown out by three scores. I don't even think they're going to get blown out by two scores. I think uh, this Lions team, right, and I'm talking about the storyline is the Lions' expectations. This is the story. I'm creating another storyline right here. I'm adding on to it. Um, I'm I'm all for it, Simon. What do you think about this Lions squad? Uh, Do you think they can live up to these expectations? Or do you think uh, a lot of people are going to be disappointed? I hate to be a wet blanket, Ronan. I I oh, really do. No. I got on I got on this podcast just last week, and I said I was a little bit queasy about the Lions just because your boy Jared Goff. I've seen him go too many times into pumpkin mode after a good season. Too many times have I seen the year after a great year just be not not what you are living up to not what you're hoping for in in 2018 right he had that big year that was his was that his first year with mcveigh or second year with mcveigh um i believe second year second year second year with mcveigh and anyways he yeah second year with mcveigh he 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 just like skyrockets right he goes from 3800 yards the year before to 4700 his you know talk about pushing the ball down the field his intended air yards per pass attempt in 2018 was nearly nine and his completed air yards per pass attempt was seven those are those are good numbers the following year both those numbers start to trend downward which they did every year after that um and he just never really lived up to that hype because it, it took one year of really good tape for him to be like, okay, this is what he's good at. Don't let him do this. And that was it. He didn't have you didn't have another trick in the arsenal. You know this as a Rams fan. And I'm worried it's going to happen again in Detroit. I think Ben Johnson is a, a terrific OC. I think he did some fantastic stuff with that offense last year considering they didn't have nearly as many weapons as they have this year. But I I just don't know if at the end of the day, no matter who the weapons are, you can ask Goff to do anything else than the things he's already good at. And that's that's the part I'm worried about. Now, I am in terms of the storyline and, and what we're talking about here in training camp. I'm excited for the expectations for Detroit because when was the last time there were expectations for Detroit? So this part of this part of your take, I am here for whether it's all going to work out or not. That's a whole nother story. And again, I don't think this is going to all of a sudden be like a six-win team. I think, you know, you read the training camp reports and the defense is apparently clicking. There's so many options, both on the defensive line and defensive backfield. Even the linebackers are are looking – so like the whole defense is looking really good right now, which was their issue last year primarily in the first part of the season. Got better as the year went along. So overall, like I, th- I still think this is going to be a good team. I think they're probably going to have a winning record. I think they're definitely going to complete for a playoff spot. I think they'll definitely be in the mix to win the division. I just think it's not going to be the automatic 11-12 wins, win the division, make noise in the playoffs that we're hoping that some people are hoping for and expecting. But to your point about the take is we're excited that people are excited for this Lions season. I am so on board for it. If you count their Thanksgiving game, as a primetime game, which I guess technically it is, but also they're always on Thanksgiving, so like whatever. They had two things or two primetime games last season. They have five this year, right? Insanity. And the two two is like the minimum that they could have because I think every team gets one primetime game. Um, and if I maybe they had three, no, 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 it was two. It was two, and and one was that week eighteen game. So that might they might have actually made the Thanksgiving. They're like quote-unquote obligatory primetime game so they didn't even get a monday night sunday night thursday night game until they got flexed into that week 18 game with the packers um so this is a team that people did not want to watch on tv for for decades our whole lives 
they have five primetime games this season, man. Um, Aiden Hutchinson had a fantastic rookie year. They went and got a lot of real veterans in free agency this year. People, as much as you know, I disagreed with the move on draft day, people are going to be excited to watch Jameer Gibbs. You mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameson Williams is going to be a guy that, you know, draws attention and gets people excited. Um, this is a very good offensive line. They get my guy, Halo Pulavati Vatai back. This is this is going to be a fun team. This is going to be an exciting team to watch for sure. And I'm I'm excited for it. Do I think it's all going to work out? Not necessarily. But to your point, there's expectations, there's excitement. It's great, and I'm here for it. Hey, we might just be looking at the next new dynasty. You don't know. Oh, Lordy. You don't know. Uh, oh, Goff is still young enough to where, hey, he can churn out five Super Bowls. Oh. You said it yourself, that offensive line, Aiden Hutchinson, oh. that defense is coming around. We might be looking at a new age, Simon, and it is the Detroit Lions age. You hurt me, Ron. You hurt me a lot. Um, don't worry, they have Teddy Bridgewater now, so it's all it's all gonna work out. Anyways, we're that was we're supposed to be positive here. Anyway, so let's get to our last and final training camp storyline we're excited for. Because I don't want to hear whatever the next lines related thing coming out of your mouth is going to be. Uh. Instead, we're gonna go fully just uh in fandom Simon Short podcast mode, and we're gonna talk about George Pickens because I don't think it's just me, Ronan. I, I try to hold off on this stuff now with the Steelers stuff, at least externally doing what we do with the podcasts and, and such. But there's national recognition happening right now, and I might just have to let loose on this. George Pickens might just take a leap into being like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL this season. It it's not just it's not just the one on one catches though which are just in- incredible. If you haven't seen the George Pickens, Joey Porter Jr. catch yet, um, pause this podcast right now and just hop on Twitter and go search for it. But but everywhere you look, I mean, national media is talking about this guy. Kevin Clark did the story for The Ringer. Um, that, that was really well done and, and really well shared online as well. And my favorite part is, is George Pickens describes himself as the receiver that you would create on Madden or in a lab. Quote, if you want a receiver... You create a player, it's, oh, I'm going to put his blocking at 99. First off, this is me. Blocking is the first thing he mentions. Oh, my God, Ronan, I'm here for it. Back to the quote, catching 99, speed 99, that's me. He went on to say, end quote, he went on to say something about, like, oh, most other guys, you know, they've get, they got 85s and some of those things. I'm a 99 in all of those things. He talked about sometimes he runs routes lazily on purpose just to confuse the defender. Uh, he talked about if he sees guys in what he called a toilet stance, he'll just push them over and then go run his route. Like this guy is just from a stardom standpoint, not just the talent standpoint, but the aura and the appeal of him as a as a personality on top of where I think we're going to see his talent this year. It's it's exciting, man. It's incredible. I I I, I am just shaking out of my boots which i know is the metaphor for something else but i'm very excited about this one uh give give me your thoughts on george pickens right now i i think you nailed it right on the head i wrote down here my my first notes for george pickens right it says pickens could mess around and be looked at as a top five to ten wide receiver in the nfl come the end of the season and i think with some improvement from pickett right who Mm -hmm. already showed something last year it's not like he was you know awful or anything we see even just steady improvement from Pickett, and they just continue to build off of the chemistry that they already had. I I don't think that's a stretch at all. Um, I, I think that this tandem can do more than people can think because uh, I'm throwing Pickett into this conversation too, just for funsies, mm-hmm. you know, just to make you a little bit more excited. Yeah. Uh, but no one's really talking about these Steelers, and I, I'll be loaded AFC, but. I think they're just as dangerous as some of these other teams, man. And Pickens specifically, you know, we've been talking about, you know, star power and the aura. He's got it all. Um, he seems to buy in. Um, he's got what, you know, you would call Black Air Force energy. Mm-hmm, um, just mm-hmm. completely brutal, merciless. He'll throw corners on their tails. 
uh, for fun, like he wants to do it. They, they Steelers run the ball, and Pickens doesn't sigh. He doesn't. Oh, I'm not getting the ball this play. He's lining. All right, let's go. He's looking, lining up across from whatever sorry son of a gun has to line mm-hmm. up across from him, and uh, he runs him over. And you know what? Stuff like him bringing up the blocking first. It's the little things like that. He's a second year player receiver talking about blocking. Um, you don't get that very often. I love his mentality whenever it comes to just the game of football, to being a receiver. And then you look at, just like you said, the national recognition. You take the running back conversation, right, that's been going around all preseason. You take that out. George Pickens is like the most talked about player all preseason just solely because of the stuff that keeps coming up, the highlights. It's insanity. Um uh, from what you've been sending in, from what I've got buddies sending in, it's it's becoming a real thing. Um, I don't think it's just hype. I think we're going to see a very, 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 very fun Steelers offense uh, this year, Simon. And I know that's just music to your ears. It's it's just a, so another part of the uh, – I'm just going to continue to just like fawn over all of this. Another part, another tidbit from the Kevin Clark piece was talking about the blocking and how how much he loves it because he said when he was younger, he was a running back. So he loved that so many of the plays involved everyone watching him, Um, which is it's so funny when, you know, players admit that they're like, I want people to like me and like look at me and and pay attention to me. Right. Um, And then he said when he moved to receiver. He was almost like it was almost like there was a jealousy. Like, man, everyone's watching that guy. I better do something that gets people to focus on me when they're running the ball again. I'll just start blocking and throwing people on the ground. Like, that's just that's incredible stuff, man. That's incredible stuff. What I'm also enjoying though is I think I think the thing that is going to really make him step into a new tier of receiver this year is the nuances of his game are going to be there now. Last year, I, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but last year he was like one of the league leaders in guys who just ran go routes, just running in a straight line down the field. Now it's because the, the offense was limited. He's he's not the most refined route runner, all of that stuff. Um, and and those routes dominated his whole route tree, basically. It was more than like three-fourths of his routes that he ran were just go balls last year. This year in training camp so far, this is from Alex Kazora of Steelers Depot. He's running curls and comebacks and slants. He's even doing the like Chase Claypool like end around stuff that the Steelers were doing before. And he's just I think he's just going to be a much more complete receiver this year. And that's where you can really take off because now teams aren't going to know how to defend you as much. And, you know, you mentioned Kenny Pickett. I've talked about, about Pickett a lot on this podcast, but I think just a full year of knowing he's the guy and being the starter. And you mentioned that there is a chemistry between them. Even if Pickett himself is, you know, I've talked about Derek Carr and I've, I've said this about Carr before, even if Pickett himself is never a top 10 quarterback, he can be in that tier of quarterbacks that can produce a top 10 wide receiver, right? We we've seen it with Derek Carr with going all the way back to guys like Amari Cooper and even like Michael Crabtree, who George Biggins has listed in his top five receivers all time, by the way. Um, and, 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 you know, Kirk cousins and Justin Jefferson and, and Stefan Diggs back when it was Stephon, he can be in that tier of, of quarterback that can produce a legitimate number one wide receiver in the NFL. So, uh, I'm just here for it, man. I'm so excited that this has been, one of the highlights of Steelers Twitter all training camp for sure. And, and I think, I think it's just gonna be a great year for, for Pickens. And um, even if the offense overall is limited, I think this, I think his talent will even outshine the limitations of the offense. So pumped about that. Anything else for you on Pickens or just any other like training camps, like uh, close cuts that you made and anything else you want to talk about tonight? Well, you know, I, I mentioned it briefly a second ago, the running back conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's a, an entire storyline in itself, mm-hmm. but we've, we've kind of already talked about that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we've given our thoughts. I err on the side of, you know, if, if they're your offense, if they're your Derrick Henry, your Jonathan Taylor, your Nick Chubb, uh, pay him. And, you know, if he's not, don't. You know, I completely get that. 
But most of the time, whenever it's a running back saying, hey, pay me, he's their offense. Um, That's why Tony Pollard went ahead and grabbed that franchise tag and Mm -hmm. ran away. Mm -hmm. So that's really the only other uh, storyline that, well, there's plenty. I mean, it's the NFL officer preseason. But that that was the, the other one that, I almost included, but we have talked about it so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rona mentioned it over on the stat sheet podcast, which I really hope everybody listens to. Uh, we have just like weeks and weeks of running back conversation. Um, but much like that, we are going to have weeks and weeks of NFL preseason content coming to you all on this podcast, as well as the stat sheet podcast. So make sure you're following and subscribe to both. Make sure you're following and subscribe to all of the podcasts on box score networks. Everything is really kicking off. So you heard all those ads during this show. Make sure you go follow them on Twitter, subscribe to their shows on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, but thank you all once again, so much for being here, Ronan. Thank you once again for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Everyone go follow Ronan. His Twitter will be in the episode description. You can hear him on the Stashy podcast every Tuesday with me and Ben Parker. Um, and make sure you come back next week uh, to the Simon Short podcast where we will continue to talk about NFL stuff that we are excited about. So stay tuned. But everyone in the meantime, thank you so much. Have fun and be safe out there.